going to ask everybody to take your Bibles and open to the book of Psalms. Book of Psalms. This morning, I, Sunday mornings, I text a preacher friend of mine. And he texts me back, and we try to encourage one another with God's scripture. And he texts me something, and I text him back this. And I want us to read Psalm chapter 27, verses 1 through 4. <clears throat> and I'll read it aloud, and, and uh, if you got it there and want to read along with me, you may do so. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. Ready, begin. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I thought those words were very encouraging to me this morning. Can be encouraging to us that know the Lord as Savior. And I pray that you take those to heart. Folks, um, it's easy to look at the storm going on around us and become so discouraged that we're useless. And then Satan has defeated us. Oh, well, I should not be defeated because I stand in the strength of Christ. I do not stand in my own strength, but in his strength. <clears throat> Go ahead and turn now to the book of Acts, to the book of Acts, chapter 5. <clears throat> I believe with all my heart that God wants to do something at McKee Road Baptist Church. I just need to make sure that I'm not in his way. I need to make sure that I am filled with his spirit. The Bible tells us to walk in the spirit that it will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Next week, hopefully, we'll begin a study on the gifts of the spirit and how that they are so important within the body. See, God fitly joins the body together, the local body. And he brings people in, he says, you go here, and you go here, and you're gonna be the toe, and you're the ear, you're the eye, whatever that part of the body is. And it's important that we're here all together in one accord, but we understand what our gift is, that we might move forward in the Lord. <clears throat> Acts chapter five, <clears throat> Our text is a familiar text this morning. It's verses 1 through 10. It's Ananias and Sapphira. And I've entitled this message, Why hath Satan filled thine heart? Why has Satan filled thine heart? And have us think about that this morning as we look at the story. And take a look and allow God to reveal our hearts to us. Has Satan filled my heart? Has Satan filled my heart this morning? You know, it takes us back to Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Search me, O God and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. The child of God should desire to walk in the steps and statutes of the Lord. But verse uh, 
Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 5 now, and verse 1. It says, But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession, and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all of them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out, and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after, when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it? Uh, how is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the, the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then she fell down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her forth, buried her by her, her husband. I'm going to pray this morning. As I pray, I want to mention to you that one of the families we've been praying for, the Bull family, uh, Nancy Bull uh, passed away this past week, Tuesday, of cancer. Uh, the Bulls were actually in this church before anybody else was, <laughs> years ago. And he was saved in this church. And uh, they served the Lord up by Lake Isabella and uh, go to church up there. And Nancy Bull passed away this week. As I pray, remember her in prayer. And as I pray, ask God that he'd speak to all of our hearts this morning. Let's pray. God, we come to you at this time and confess that we need you. Oh, how we need you. Uh, God, in and of ourselves, I can do nothing. So God, I pray that today, as we've opened your words, that your Holy Spirit would speak to our heart. God, we pray that you would teach us and convict us. And God, draw us closer to you. Lord, may we remember that you want to comfort us and you want to strengthen us, and that you love us oh so much. God, uh, have your will and way in this service, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> We've been teaching in the book of Acts. This is now the 24th lesson. We're taking this slow walk. We're going through the book of Acts. We've seen the Savior ascend into heaven. We watched as 120 awaited for the filling of the Holy Spirit. We saw Peter preach that powerful message. We saw the response and, and how they were all of one accord. We talked about a certain lame man. We talked about how the fact that we're all born spiritually lame and that we need Jesus Christ as a personal savior. We spoke of the glory of his name. We discussed the greatness of his name. Uh, last time we, we spoke of the fellowship, the family and the filling. And this morning we want to talk about the spiritual atmosphere of the church. The spiritual atmosphere of this young church. A young church. What was the spiritual atmosphere like? Well, we know that they were all of one accord. Are we all of one accord here this morning? I pray that we are. Remember, this is a very slow walk. Very slow walk. The spiritual atmosphere of the church. 
In verse 1 it says, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira's wife sold a possession, and he kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2, if you want to go ahead and turn there with me, Ephesians chapter 2, I just want to point out some scriptures here, a couple words in particular. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2, <clears throat> it was probably two years ago or so that I preached a message and I made mention of this. In verse 2, it, verse 1 it says, uh, chapter 2 of Ephesians, it says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, talking about our condition. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and not of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as other, but God, but God powerful study there. I know Alice took the opportunity and went through the Word of God and did a study on that. But God, but God, just Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 begins with the three-letter word, but. It actually says, but God, but God. The point I want to make is that whenever you come to a but in the Bible, we need to think about it in this way. It's, it's, it's the hinges upon which great doors swing. Why? Because something's going to change. Something's going to change. So far, the early church had been marching forward to victory, going victory after victory. Peter and John were being arrested, and they'd come out, and they would tell the brethren, the company, as it was called, what had happened to them, and they'd all draw encouragement from that. We watched as they didn't pray, oh, God, protect us, but give us boldness. You know what they were thinking? I'm going to be going through this. This is going to happen to me. I expect it. We don't know what's going to happen in America, but we need to pray that God would give us his boldness, that we'd go through it beyond the protection, beyond the protection, you know. So they're marching forward. Satan was unable to conquer his church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The Bible tells us. So the next thing he decided to do, he said, I can't, I can't, conquer it I'm going to corrupt it I'm going to corrupt it I mean this is not a unused tactic he used it on Achan the sin of Achan remember he was the one that had when the, they had that great victory uh, to Jericho uh, that he took the spoils and he buried them in his tent and there was sin in Israel he had corrupted Israel he used it on Samson. He used it on David. He used it on Solomon. No doubt, Ananias and Sapphira wanted to capture some of the limelight that had happened. You need to go back with me to Acts chapter 4 to see what that, what that is talking about. What they're talking about. In Acts chapter 4, <clears throat> beginning in 31, it says, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. Um, where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with, what's that word? Say it out loud, boldness, with boldness. And the multitude of them that were believed were of, say those two words with me, one heart 
and say these next two words enough, one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Hey, what I have is yours, what yours is mine. We'll get through this together. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distributed, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joses, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted, the son of Constellation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And this brings us to where we're at in our message today. Ananias and Sapphira had seen what they had done, seen what he had done. And they watched as he didn't do it for recognition. He didn't do it so people would pat him on the back. He did it because he was filled with the love of God that God had given us. Sometimes we see something good like that and we desire the results of what happened. And this was, a, this was what's going on in Ananias' fire's heart. They wanted some of that limelight. See, like Barnabas, they also had property. God had prospered them. And I can only imagine, hey, we've got some property. We can do that. And perhaps the discussion started out as an innocent, pure motive. And we've got this land and we can sell it and we can give it to the church so that it can be distributed to all men. I don't know. I don't know. We're along the lines that Satan came into this, but we'll get on to that. Let's stay with me. Somewhere along the line, they decided... After they sold it, wait a minute, I didn't know we'd get that much. I didn't know that, boy, that's, that's a lot of money. I, I think if we gave the church maybe half of that, or whatever it was, that'll be good, that'll be good. What the couple did. Second part of verse two, it says, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, so far, so good. They still had time to explain, to explain what was going on. You know, I think back with my children, present company ex excluded, <laughs> sure, yeah. But I think back to my children when we would talk to them about something that had happened, something they had done, oh, we knew the answer. We already knew what went on. We knew what happened and we'd say, so what was this? And we were waiting for them to say, I messed up. <laughs> I was wrong. This was their opportunity. This was his opportunity when Ananias came in. You know, he could have said, Peter, this is just a percentage of the price. We just didn't feel like we could give it all. But they did not do that. They brought it in and represented it as being the whole price of what they had gotten. The Holy Spirit wants it all though. However, he'll use what we give him, but he wants all of our life. But he'll use just that portion that you give him. But God wants all your life, regardless of what you do in this life. 
But the Holy Spirit will not be a party to pretense. Pretense is an attempt to make something that is not the case to be appeared to be true. And that's what Ananias and Sapphira did. For us to pretend that we are more holy, that we are more dedicated or more spiritual than we are, is an offense to him. Ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Leviticus chapter 11, 44. And Ananias and Sapphira surely knew this. We find out that their decision here was a Satan-inspired decision. Satan-inspired decision. Like I said, I don't know what, at what point of their decision-making they decided to hold back part. But somewhere in there, they decided to lie. And we need to recognize that they didn't lie to men, but they lied to God. And that was the problem. It's amazing how often this evil manifested itself in the word of God. The lover of money, consider, turned Judas into a traitor. The love of money turned uh, Gehazi into a leper when he lied to Elisha. Uh, Achan, when he hid the spoils of war in his tent in Joshua chapter 7. See, money itself is not evil. Money is a great helper. It's very useful. But the love of money is the damage here. The love of money. We see the spirit-infested detection. Let's look. But Peter said, Why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price? Can you imagine the look on Ananias' face? This discussion was had just between he and his wife, Sapphira. He hadn't told anybody. He wouldn't dare tell anybody. Why? He wanted to represent that what he was given was all of it. Didn't want people to know that he had held back part of the price. How could Peter know? How could Peter know? Understand this. All that you do is no secret to the Holy Spirit. All that you do is no secret to the Holy Spirit. The Bible says this. The eyes of the Lord are every, in every place beholding the evil and the good. Proverbs 15.3 Job 20, 34, 21 says, For his eyes are upon the ways of man, and he seeth all his goings. Proverbs 5, 21 says, For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. Just consider your activities, say, of this weekend. God has been with you through it all. He's been there. He's watched it with you. Holy Spirit knew what was going on. He knew what was happening. He'd been present in their home when they had this decision and decided what they would do. The Holy Spirit knew exactly how much this couple would give and how much they would hold back. By the way, we're in the presence of the Holy Spirit, God Almighty, right now. Right now. Consider this. The Holy Spirit was with Ananias as he walked to church. As he's walking to church and had that money in his bag. And all the while as he's walking to church, you've got to know that the Holy Spirit was prodding his heart. Trying to trouble his soul. And Ananias, don't do this. Ananias, don't do this. How many times have we found ourselves walking into a situation where we knew that it was against the will of God. And yet we kept on going. And you could hear that still small voice saying, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. 
it was still within his power as he stood in front of Peter to change his mind. But he didn't. He didn't. You know, how easily we forget that the Lord God, the Holy Spirit, knows all the details of our lives. He knows you better than you. Alice knows me well, but God knows me better. Well, let's talk about the substance of the wickedness. Verse 4, first part of it says, While it remained, was it not thine own, and after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? See, that was it. Adonias was under no obligation to give. That was their decision. They came up with this idea. They said, well, let's, let's do this. Nobody had come to them and say, hey, you guys have got some extra land over here. The church could really use it. No. This came up in their own thoughts. No pressure was applied to him. He's a free agent. He didn't have to sell the property. And once it sold, he was under no obligation to give it all to the Lord. But when they brought it in and presented it as everything, they had lied to the Holy Spirit. See, there's a seriousness of wickedness in this. Read with me second part of verse 5 through verse 6. And it says, Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. I've lost my place. Sin is always, sin is always a serious, a serious situation. In this case, and in every case, sin, the seriousness of it, is always in proportion to the dignity of the person against whom the sin is committed. It is a serious matter to lie. It's more serious matter to lie to a judge. Consider then how serious it was to lie to God. Deception was at the root of Ananias' sin. Deception. The foundation of Satan's words is the lie. Deception is his trademark. We were traveling down the road this morning and talking about the Lord and different things. And, and this was one of the things that was mentioned, that Satan, the father of lies, he is deceptive. The first attack on the church, look at this, folks. The first attack on the church came from within. From within. We need to be very aware of this and very cautious and mindful of this. This is how Satan attacks, how Satan attacks. You know, <clears throat> love me, love my dog. Love me, love my dog. You come over to my house and you're a good friend of mine, but if you treat my dogs bad, we'll have a problem. Why? If you love me, you're gonna love my dogs. And when the, within the church, not that we're dogs, <laughs> But we need to love one another. We need to love one another. And we need to understand that when we get a little sideways with somebody else or we get a little ugly with them, that's not of God. That's of Satan. Why has Satan filled thine heart? Verse 
6, and Ananias, I think it's verse 6, Ananias, Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came upon all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, carried him out, and buried him. Wow. Wow. You know, when Jesus was walking the earth, he didn't do that. But the Holy Ghost killed him. Killed him. This is a child of God. You a child of God this morning? Oh my. Oh my. Thou hast lied, lied unto God, were the last words that Ananias ever heard. The last words that he ever heard. Think of that. As Peter spoke, Ananias dropped dead where he stood. He didn't see a penny of his prophet. Was not able to use a penny of his prophet. Another thing I want to mention here is that there was no opportunity to repent. There was no opportunity to say, I'm sorry, Lord. You know, there's coming a time when every man will stand before Christ and confess that he is Lord. Will you stand there as a child of God? Or you stand there as a lost person with it, no time to repent. Fear gripped the whole community, we read. Consider all the heart searching that was going on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, that, that thought had crossed my mind. Whew, I'm not going to do that. And all of a sudden, I think it brought back into perspective who God is. Who God is. Do we have a proper perspective of who God is this morning? Do we have a healthy fear of who God is? It was a warning. It was a warning. It was one of those occasions when God makes an example of a case to fulfill, to fully reveal what things matter. Let's go into verse 7. And when it was about the space of three hours after when his wife not knowing what was done came in she came in Sapphira by the way her name means beautiful she comes in who knows what she was doing during that three hours I don't know maybe maybe she was cleaning her home or maybe she was visiting with friends perhaps she had gone out to the market but as she came in there you've got to to get an idea of what was going on because the people that were there in the church knew what had happened. Sapphira didn't. She walks in, looks around, starts talking to some of the friends, probably did not recognize how apprehensive they were to talk to her. Peter's going to do that. Peter's going to do that. But they tried to be courteous, and then think about Peter. He'd had three hours to think about this. How do I respond? Do I say, Sapphira, your, your, your husband is dead? Or do I say and ask a question? Why? Because, you know, sometimes in people, we get like this. We try to be more merciful than God. And we get in front of what he's trying to accomplish. And God was trying to make a point here. And there was a work to be done. There was time for them to repent. And yet they decided not to. And she came up. She walked up to Peter. Can you imagine? Unaware. She was no longer married. But a widow. 
Verse 8, and Peter answered unto her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yea, for so much. How easily, how easily the lie came out. How easily the lie came out. If ever a lie comes out the mouth of a Christian, it should be with much pain, much difficulty. It should not reside in us. You know, stop and think about it. Peter's had three hours to think about this. I wonder what his tone was. I wonder what his facial expressions were. I don't know. I'm speaking, so I'm going to guess that he was pretty matter of fact and tried to ask the question in a way to give her an opportunity to respond correctly. And he asked her. And Sapphira gave Peter the lie. The words came out so easily, so easily. You know, when you lie, it's kind of like a slippery slope. One lie, well, I can tell another lie, and you tell another lie, and another lie. Before you know it, the lies come out so easily, so easily. I wonder if she was surprised at the question or if she was so filled with pride in what they were doing that she even recognized it. I think a lot of times we come to church, the message is preached, God speaks to our hearts, and it just bounces off, just bounces off. Why? We're so full of self. We're so full of pride. We're full, full of the sin that's in our life that we cannot drink upon what God is trying to teach us. I don't know. Did she sense something was wrong? Maybe she was a real good liar. I don't know. Whatever the reason, one theologian said, the lie rang out in the room as heaven wept and hell laughed. Oh, we need to, we need to clearly define in our minds what's right and what's wrong. Who's on the throne and who wants to defeat your life. Verse 9 says, Then Peter said unto, the, unto her, How is it that she have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? You know that we're not to presume the grace of God. That God is graceful and He's merciful and He's going to look over this. Matthew 4, 7 says, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. We're not to put God to the test. That's what it's talking about. We must not ever put the Holy Spirit in a position where his wisdom and his power war with his mercy and his grace. Let me read that again. We must not ever put the Holy Spirit in a position where his wisdom and his power war with his mercy and his grace. Obviously, Ananias and Sapphira did not see their sin in the light that they should have, that they should have. You know why? Four words. Sin makes you stupid. Sin makes you stupid. Why did you ever do that? As I say that, I, something has gone through my head, a situation where it possibly could have caused a church split. Praise God that it did not, but a question was asked to this preacher. Why did you do that? Well, sin makes you stupid. 
We find ways to diminish its seriousness and the consequences of sin. So now sin is exposed. All their sin. All sin. Our sin. Sin is a serious business. Let's look at the last part of verse 9 and verse 10. It says, Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. Again, the sentence was death. There was no time for repentance. No time for repentance. Sapphira stood there, heard the news her husband was already dead and they were going to carry her out and she collapsed on the spot. And with the hour, within the hour, she was probably buried next to her husband. The story of Ananias and Sapphira. Members of the church, that early church, that thriving church, wanting to be a part of what was going on. And yet Satan came in and filled their heart, the Bible tells us. Filled their heart. We need to watch this, folks. We need to be careful that we do not allow Satan to fill our hearts. What had happened? This is what happened. Sin came into the church, and God said, I'll have no sin in the church. And he purged the church. That's what he did. The Bible tells us a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump in Galatians 5.9. Speaking of sin within the body, this young church would not be able to go on with that sin. And so God said, I'm going to make my church pure again. And the church for now was clean. But guess what? As we go through the book of Acts, we're going to see it comes in again. It comes in again. It's a continual battle. It's a continual battle. You know, it's why we get up every morning and hopefully we try to clean ourselves, take a shower, perhaps a bath, I don't know, or at night, what have you. Why? It's a continual battle to try to stay clean. I don't want to be offensive to those around me, so I wash myself. I put on the deodorant and I try to place the hair in place as best I can. Is there sin in our church? Can God bless McKee Road Baptist Church? I think that he wants to. I know that he can. Is there sin in our church? Is there sin in our church? We know the source of our wickedness is that we're our sinners. The Bible tells us in Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The substance of our wickedness, Ecclesiastes 7.20 tells us, For there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good, and sinneth not. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. Seriousness of our sin, for the wages of sin is death. That's how serious sin is. But praise God, it says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, that we end this life walking into heaven rather than ending this life with no hope. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and truths of it. Thank you for the story of Ananias and Sapphira. God, I pray that as we go through this afternoon that we would just drink on these words, consider the things that you've said, that you teach us. God, but we come to the part of the message where we say, okay, we're done. 
but we're really not done. We're at the part where we need to make application in our own life. God, what are you teaching me? God, what are you telling me? God, I pray that each and every one that's here this morning would follow your will and do as you'd have them do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand together with heads bowed and eyes closed.